And so finding that balance was, I would say, where the difficulty lied. But once we did that and were able to do that, I've seen such a difference in our finances over the last two years and enjoying life on a budget still, being able to have fun, take our kids to do things, enjoy vacations, pay off debt, and reach our savings goals. You're listening to the Winning to Wealth podcast, where you'll hear real stories from real people who are on the path to building real wealth. These stories will show you how to earn more money, pay off debt, start investing, and make better money choices so you can build wealth for your future. Now, here's your host, Michael Lacey. What's up, what's up, what's up, teammates? This is episode 40 of the Winning to Wealth podcast. And on this week's episode, we're talking about managing multiple goals during your wealth building journey. Now, to do this, I brought on the creator of Money and Mommy, Miss Jasmine Tillery. She has an incredible story. Jasmine actually created Money and Mommy very recently to really document her own journey, but also to help other moms navigate the challenges that can arise as you work to get your finances in order, uh, navigating being a mom and all those things. And I'll tell you, Jasmine is no stranger to challenges. So while in the middle of paying off her debt, Jasmine and her husband dealt with infertility and infant loss. And so with that said, because this is such a sensitive topic, I do want to provide a warning. We are going to go into infertility and infant loss and how these two things can impact your finances. And we do this during the last like 10 or so minutes of the show. Now, these two subjects can be triggering for so many people. So if you have to skip this episode, I completely understand. I'm sending you love, a virtual hug, all those things. But that That is why I wanted to provide that warning because I know that this can be a tough subject for so many people. But Jasmine is a great person with a warm spirit and I would still recommend connecting with her. So I've linked to Jasmine's website and her social media handles on the show notes page, which you can find in the episode description or by just heading to winningtowealth.com slash episode 40. That is winningtowealth.com slash episode 40. But hey, let's jump right into this interview interview with Jasmine from Money and Momming. So Jasmine, I am excited to have you here today to learn more about your story, to share your journey with the audience here. But first, I want to go into it and just kind of start with just having you share the story of how you and your husband met and how you guys ultimately became a couple. Hi, Michael. First, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to do this podcast with you. Um, So my husband, Louis, and I, we met in 2015. Um, He actually messaged me on Facebook. Um, We had a lot of mutual friends, and it turns out that one of my college roommates was actually his next-door neighbor growing up. And I had been to her house several times, had never seen him, never met him. Um, So he messaged me on Facebook. We started talking, and then a week later, we went on our first date. And we have been together ever since then. Wow, that's cool. So me and my wife kind of have a similar Facebook story. I mean, we knew each other prior, but like our relationship really started off of like Facebook messaging and dialoguing on Facebook. So shout out to Facebook for getting something right there with the matchmaker services. So I want to ask, go after that, like how were you guys managing money individually at that time? My husband was great with money when we were dating like he had it together, like credit score, great, um, had great savings, was very responsible. 
and actually, you know, was trying to teach me more. Um, I have always been a spender, spender, spender. And I think a good portion of that time before we met was when I really got into getting into debt and pretty much just not taking control of my finances at the time. I was very young. I was a single parent at the time and just trying to make ends meet, but not really paying attention. And so getting into a relationship with him helped me pay more attention to what I needed to do with my money because I saw, oh, here's this man who has it together. You know, let me step up and do a little bit better, you know, my finances. And it's not like I wasn't, I wouldn't say I was dead broke. I made great money. I had a very nice apartment, a nice car, you know, bills were getting paid, but I just would be paid on Friday, everything out by Sunday and it had to wait till the next payday. And so um, he was really good with money. I was really bad with money. So some people believe like in completely merging their finances after marriage and other people feel like, you know, it's best to keep it separate and kind of do things your own way, but have communication. Can you share just what you, what has worked for your household? We have a joint checking account where all of our bills flow through. But when we get paid, our paychecks go into our individual checking accounts. So what happens is we get paid, goes in our individual accounts. We make that full transfer over into our joint account to pay bills. I am an all-cash spender. I love using cash envelopes. And so I will pull cash out of that for my personal spend, my gas, um, beauty, and you know things for myself. He prefers using his debit card, and so he will put that back into his personal account. Um, and that allows us to have some type of financial independence as well, but we talk about everything, everything that comes in, whether it's our regular paychecks, um, a bonus. Uh, we always run it by each other. How would we like to spend this money? Because it is collectively our money. Same thing with the savings accounts. We have um, our emergency fund and sinking funds in a high yield savings account. And we put all that in together. We save together. Um, and I think it's really important to know what the other person is doing, having that open communication. We've never had a fight about money. We've argued about small things like turn the TV off when you're sleeping because I like it off. He likes it on. He likes a fan on. I don't. But we've never had a spat about money. And we've been together five years. So, you know, what has that level of really financial unity done for not just your finances, but really your marriage as a whole? I would say it keeps our communication lines open. Um, that's something that we can be on the same page with and it flows down into everything else um, because we are talking about, you know, what events we need to go to, um, like our kids' birthdays and holidays, what we're going to spend um, when it comes to like even Christmas. That's a big thing. That's my favorite holiday. And that's something that's something that is very important to me. But, you know, we have a big family on both sides. So us talking about what we're spending on who, and I just think overall, it allows us to spend more time together when we have our budget meetings, because we do try to make it into like a date night almost. Um, and so we'll have a glass of wine and some snacks and go over our budget. We plan our meals together because that's how we grocery shop to make sure we stay in budget. And it just allows us some more one-on-one -on -one time to get business done and stay on top of our household. 
Wow. Okay. So you mentioned the debt that you brought into the relationship. So how much total debt do you have at the peak of everything? All right. So I'll start individually. So I did, I graduated college hundred percent debt free. Um, but then after a year of entering the workforce, I told myself I deserve a brand new car because here I am killing it as a single mom, landed a job right out of college, finance a brand new car, zero dollars down, dumbest decision. So that added 30000 And then I went to grad school. And instead of taking advantage of the tuition reimbursement and pacing myself, um, I used some of what the company gave me and then took out more than necessary on student loans. And so in total, I came into the relationship with um, about 50000 in debt. Okay, And then together, our joint debt together, we have six-figure debt together because he has student loans, um, actually private student loans from undergrad to pay for all four years of college. And so the interest rate on that is disgusting. Um, and then he also has student loans from uh, grad school, a car loan, and then together we had a uh, credit card debt, which we recently paid all that off. Wow. Wow. Okay. So Nothing that you mentioned really sounds like anything out of the ordinary. Like a lot of people have student loans. I mean, one of the first things I did when I started my career was buy a new car. So like none of this really seems like anything just super extravagant. It's kind of like a normal lifestyle. So what happened that made you realize that something needed to change about the way you were doing things and handling money at that time? Okay, so we had a destination wedding in 2017 um, in Punta Cana. And so we didn't really have a honeymoon. It was more like a family moon. So then six months later, we decided, okay, let's take this trip to Europe. Um, and we kind of did it on a whim, not much planning. And we went, we had a great time. But while we were there, like we were just spending, spending, spending. And it was at the end of the year. And so, you know, with making New Year's resolutions and trying to get on track, when we got home, I said, you know, what do you think about us trying to, you know, get our finances in order and pretty much just do better because we make a lot of money. And for us to be six months into our marriage, you know, I want us to get set up. I'm ready to get started on saving for a house. We want to have children. We were trying to have, you know, more kids. And so that was something that we talked about. And after we came back from Europe and having a blast and blowing through money, we decided to come back and really get serious about our finances. So at that time, I mean, did it feel like you were struggling or did it feel like this is just normal? Like this is what we're supposed to do. This is just a normal middle-class lifestyle. It it felt, I would say a mix of both, right? So we were living the normal life as far as everybody has student loans. We're always going to have a car payment. You know, we believe that. Um, we had some savings. We were making our bills on time. We were we were able to cash flow our wedding. Um, and so we thought we were fine. But at the same time, you know, during that time from when we were dating and then got married, we both um, got raises. I switched jobs and got a significant raise. And I would always say, you know, when I make that next 5000 or next $10,000, i will save more. I'll do this. I'll do that. And I kept making more money, but then lifestyle creep as well. And so here we were together combined income over six figures and still kind of just, you know, treading along, not really making much progress in terms of saving, in terms of, you know, increasing our 
401k contributions or even, you know, making sure that we're paying down our debt as long as, you know, our credit scores look good and we were able to maintain the bills, we thought we were okay. When actuality, like we really couldn't, we weren't really affording the lifestyle that we wanted for ourselves. Let's talk about coming home from that trip from Europe, right? And and you guys already decide like, you know what? Okay, we're going to do things the right way. We're going to go in a different direction now. So what were those early conversations like as you're starting to get the ball rolling? So like many other people from, you know, starting their debt-free journeys, we found Dave Ramsey and started to listen to his podcast. We didn't read the Total Money Makeover, but that's when I first found the debt-free community. And so I was showing him these posts from people and I was just like, you know, we could do this. Look at these stories of these people that I'm seeing online that they make less than us, had higher debt and they're paying it off. So it is possible. And he's a pretty easygoing guy. And so, and very open-minded. So we looked at stuff and listened together and we got started. But starting that journey, it came with a bit of an obsession. And so we got burned out pretty quickly and we quit four months in. And so I would say maybe six months later, we would talk about, but remember earlier in the year, those first four months, like how great we were doing, like we put together an emergency fund, we started paying off debt, we saw some progress. We we need to figure out a system that works for us. And so we use that as a guideline. And then we had to figure out what would work for us and what steps we wanted to take to reach our goals that made more sense for us. Okay. So talk about that a little bit. Um, so what were you doing specifically in those early months that led to that burnout? And then once you pick things back up, what changes had you made at that point? So in the beginning, we did full on, as he calls it, gazelle intensity. And so we cut out everything and we are really, we were really big on eating out um going out to these restaurants spending you know $200 on a dinner that kind of stuff not all the time but it was enough to where it made a difference or ordering out five nights a week buying lunch things like that and so when we started we cut everything there was no room for fun um we really didn't give ourselves room to have fun money we didn't really um give ourselves room to have that cash cushion over $1,000 at the time. Um, And I feel like I was just checking numbers and comparing what we were doing to what I was seeing on the Instagram communities, you know, how people were paying off thousands of dollars a week um, and pretty much comparing our beginning to somebody's middle or end. And so I got sucked into that. um, And that kind of put me in a bad place and thinking, you know, with our finances, you know, we're not going to be able to do it. And all he wanted to do was fix the issue. And so if I was sad, he would say, okay, well, then we'll figure it out. We'll fi- you know, we'll, we'll do something different. If you don't want to do it this way, we won't do it this way. Um, and so that's why I kind of just like got away from it. Um, and then to get back on track, what we did was I looked at different budgeting methods um, and kind of figured out what worked best for us was budgeting by our pay cycles. Um, because at that time, when we started back up, I was getting paid two times a month, which was very different for me because I had always been paid weekly or biweekly. So taking that, being paid by our pay cycles and budgeting with that um, and allocating our bills throughout that time versus looking at the overall month made it a lot easier for us. 
um, giving ourselves grace when we do mess up the budget and having flexibility with it, being able to move things around if we need to. Um, and I would say definitely just budgeting for the fun stuff, giving ourselves an allowance um, every week, planning ahead for the things that we know are coming up. Um, that was a big thing because I would just say no to all events at first, but now it's like, okay, we can do these events. We just got to plan for them and limit ourselves to two or three a month and not say yes to everything, but don't say no to everything. And so finding that balance was, I would say, where the difficulty lied. But once we did that and were able to do that, I've seen such a difference in our finances over the last two years and enjoying life on a budget still, being able to have fun, take our kids to do things, enjoy vacations, pay off debt and reach our savings goals. I love that. Um, and for you listeners, I mean, you guys know the one thing I always say is personal finance is personal. And, you know, I often get asked, like, what's the best method for paying off debt? And I always say, it's the one that you're going to stick with. It's, you know, it's not, it's not this or that. It's literally what you're going to stick with, what you're going to do, what keeps you motivated. So I love that you shared that part of it. Um, can you talk about just now, like, in, you know, now that you've kind of figured out your rhythm and your pace and all those things, what have been some of the challenges that you faced, you know, in, in the second part of the journey? In the second part of the journey. So I would say I started um, end of 2018, early 2019. And that's when we were still trying to expand our family um, and found out that we had to go through the IVF process. And so that's something that can cost at minimum $20,000. Um, and so we were very blessed that my job put in for the 2019 benefits that they would cover the cost in full. We just had to meet our deductible. And so we were able to do our IVF process, but only had to put out about $6,000 of that ourselves. So that was a challenge because, you know, it's kind of like, do you continue on your debt-free journey and become 100% debt-free before having more kids? Or, you know, do you put that on hold? for the sake of being debt-free. And that was a decision that we had to make together and that we weren't willing to wait for that. We wanted to have more children. Um, yes, we were, or and still are in debt, but that's not something that can, that should hold us back from having children because we are in a pretty stable place. And so the IVF process, I would say that was definitely one. Um, once I got pregnant, putting our snowball on poles to make sure that we had money aside for my leave for the portion that was unpaid. Um, and also in case anything happened and, you know, as far as labor and babies delivered, make sure everybody was home. Um, and I was pregnant with twins and I actually went into preterm labor in January. So my babies weren't due until May 8th. I had them on January 29th. And then six weeks later, one of my daughters passed away. And so I had babies in the NICU, pandemic starting, a nine-year-old at home who was getting out of school the next day, they were closing school the next day. And then I had one of my children pass away and we had funeral costs for that and arrangements and just, you know, everything that we did to prepare to bring two babies home. Also, like we paid for a lot of stuff, um, car seats, cribs, like just all of it, you know? Um, and so I would say those were the financial challenges that came in the last two years. Um, and But we were able to get through them, you know, a lot of prayer, a lot of working together, a lot of teamwork and just being prepared. Had we not been prepared, 
this time would have been way more stressful than what it already is. I can definitely say that. So let's talk about, I mean, how do you manage, you know, the stress as you're going through that situation? And I know that's not really just a financial question, but I'm sure that there are people listening that have experienced that or somebody that may experience that in the future. So as you're navigating all of these things happening at one time, like, you know, how are you and your husband staying together, staying unified and, and dealing with that stress together? Well, I will say this is very fresh. You know, it's only... June and today is actually three months since my daughter passed away. And so for me personally, what I do, I am a a doer. So I need to get things done. I need to stay busy. I need to figure out what can I do to turn a bad situation good. Um, And that's when I turn my debt-free page, Money and Momming, into more of a platform to advocate for mothers dealing with infant loss or infertility and those financial strains that come with it. And that's where my angle of financial literacy comes from, because had I not been prepared, this situation could have been uh, more stressful on us, financially speaking, you know, on top of the emotional stress that we're getting. Um, Together as a couple, I'll say my husband is strong in faith. Um, We pray together. He prays for me. I pray for him. And that is something that we hold very high. And as believers in Christ, I would say our biggest thing with dealing with our daughter's death is that same day we were able to say, you know what? Because she was sick. This is God's plan. She's not in pain. And I know she's in heaven. So yes, it still stings. It hurts. You know, we're human. And having that emotion of, you know, I was supposed to bring home two babies and now I have one. But it's a blessing that I was able to spend time with her, you know, having had both babies at 25 weeks and that my one daughter is here. She's huge. She's thriving, doing everything she's supposed to be doing and that they were identical twins. So I, I'm never going to have to worry about what she would have looked like, but I will miss not knowing her individually growing up. Um, And it's difficult. It's a pain that when women or families, when they go through that, it's a pain that doesn't go away. It's something that's very difficult and that stings. And I don't think I'll ever get used to it. But what I try to do is take my grief and use it to be something positive and share my experience. Because I think a lot of issues around, all right, we're talking about like a lot of race things right now, right? And so one of the things is let's normalize Black infertility and the use of IVF. That's not something that I had really anyone to talk to about when I was going through that, because I don't know other Black women who were going through it, besides when I read Michelle Obama's book, Becoming. And so that's something that I want to use my platform for. Also, infant loss, that's something that seems a little taboo. You know, everybody kind of dances around, doesn't want to ask you because, you know, just trying to make sure that your feelings are okay, trying to protect your feelings. I get it. But that's something that some people might need to talk about. And then also, on top of that, all this stuff comes with a cost. It's not free. And, you know, there's there's all these different things that come into play with that. And that's what I want to use my platform for, to help other families, other women to get through these times. And as I am still going through it. And so I'm learning each day, talking to people and trying to figure out, you know, what what can I do better to help the next person and also help myself as I'm going through this. 
Oh, thank you so much for sharing and being transparent about such a really a tough subject. So one of the things that you did touch on there, though, that I want to go a little bit further into was just the impact that all of this had on your finances. I mean, can you just talk about that part of it? So the impact of the IVF. So as I was saying before, my my job added that as a benefit. And so we just had to pay our deductible. That was the out-of-pocket cost. Um, I want to say it's about $5,500. And so we just cash flowed it along the way um, because it was just when you would go to the doctor's office and you didn't reach your deductible yet. And so they send you a bill. And when those bills come in, we would just pay them. Um, and then as far as when the girls were in the NICU, my income didn't change at the time because my job also has great benefits as far as maternity leave. So I actually spent 14 weeks off of work at 100% pay. And we had saved money. Um, in case I needed to go into any of that unpaid time. But with the pandemic, we're working from home anyway. So it didn't make sense for me to use that unpaid time. Um, so again, another blessing in itself. In regards to arrangements for my daughter, Sienna, we had emergency fund. And that was something that we were able to tap into um, in order to take care of her arrangements. And so basically our, our stork fund which we called it for a while I was saving for maternity leave. We transitioned it into emergency funds after I had the babies and then just pulled from that. Um, and so the impact financially hasn't been really big, but for a lot of families like this whole uh, IVF being covered by your job, that's not common. It's not. And, you know, in 2018, before I found out that was going to be for 2019, we were just like, all right, well, we got to pause everything and come up with $25,000 because we're doing this. And so there are a lot of people out there who have to cash flow this or who take out loans just so they can expand their families. And it sucks that it's not covered. And a lot of it, it's not, there's, there's no type of system in place to help families expand their families. And it, it's horrible. I think it's horrible having gone through that, wanting more children. And it was particularly hard for me because I have a son from a previous relationship. He was conceived naturally, but I was also a lot younger too. And so as I gotten older and I changed, body changed, that's not something I had control over, but I did want more children. And then I was stuck with a bill to do it. But it's been a blessing for me and my family that our impact wasn't so severe, but it's not the same for a lot of other families. And that's where I'm trying to teach financial literacy just so it can help alleviate those issues and that impact for people. So despite everything that you guys have gone through throughout your entire journey, you guys were still able to rack up some pretty incredible wins and, and hit some awesome goals. So can you take just a couple minutes and just share, you know, what you guys are able to accomplish as you were dealing with all of this? Sure. Um, so we've paid off credit cards um, and my car. So we are consumer debt free. Um, we just have student loans left. Um, we have our emergency fund funded, and we're still adding um, just because of the pandemic you know, circumstances right now. And then we're also saving for our house, um, and we're looking to probably purchase our first home next spring. The kids now have 529 plans, and we are contributing to that every month. And then also, instead of falling into the lifestyle creep, when we get raises, we are increasing our 401 contributions yearly. Wow. Okay. That's incredible. So... 
one thing that I do want to give you the opportunity to share, because I feel like it was something that we touched on in the interview. And I want to give some hope to some people who maybe are going through what you've gone through or, you know, maybe they don't know it now, but maybe they will go through something like that. So can you just take a second to give some advice to someone who's maybe experiencing infertility or has maybe lost a child or, or something like that? And they're trying to get their finances together kind of at the same time. Uh, what would you say to that person? I would say all of this is highly emotional. Finances, they are emo- emotional. Um, infertility, infant loss, all of it. It's all emotional, but you have to be able to align that with the facts, right? So you have to be able to take a look at where your budget lies, where your finances lie, and be able to align both of them in order to be successful. So it might not happen as fast as you want it to, um, but be able to just take a moment to to look at what you have and where you want to be and try to align that with your emotions. And that will help you prioritize and your budget to be able to save for the expected and the unexpected. Looking back on your journey, right? From the time, you know, where you met your now husband and he had the good spending habits and you didn't to now, like looking over the totality of that journey, what financial advice would you give to your younger self? So to my younger self, First, I would say, listen to your parents, because my parents are very financially sound people. They always save money. My dad is really big on investing, and he would always tell me to save as much as I can and invest as much as I can early on. I just chose not to listen. So that would be the first thing. The second would be to you know, pay attention to where money's going, get on a budget, um, especially as a young mother. Um, I was 19 when I got pregnant, had my son right after I turned 20. Um, and definitely getting on a budget would have made things a lot easier to stay organized, trying to, you know, raise a baby and make sure his needs were met. Um, yeah, I think I think that's what I would definitely tell my younger self. Well, hey, Jasmine, I've had just an awesome time talking to you today and getting really to learn more about your story, your journey, and just all the challenges and things that you've had to overcome. But I do want to give you the opportunity to share anything that you have to offer and where the listeners can find you if they'd like to connect with you and follow along um, as you tackle you know, personal finance in your own way. I can be found on all social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Money and Momming. And my website is www.moneyandmomming.com. I create tools and resources for budgeting and for paying off debt and saving. And so with these resources, they help me stay accountable and keep me motivated. And so that's why I share them with everyone else. My bestseller and most popular item is the budget sheet where it helps people prioritize their spending and their budgets. And it can be used either for a monthly budget, weekly budget, or if they want to budget by their pay cycles. I also do cash envelopes because I am a cash spender and it helps me stay accountable. And we have debt trackers, savings trackers, sinking fund trackers, and also some mugs. I also do one-to-one budget coaching. And with that, I've been able to help several women get on track with their finances, help moms be able to incorporate birthday parties for their kids, activities, and still reach their goals for building emergency funds or start paying off debt. And one of my goals with Money and Momming is to be able to start to 
generate enough income to make significant donations to charities that are for infertility or for infant loss. Awesome. That is so incredible. So, I mean, definitely you guys head to winningtowealth.com slash episode 40. Check out the show notes. It's there. I'm going to link to everything Jasmine just mentioned on the show notes page. Also, if you enjoyed this episode, I want you to do two things. Number one is hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening to this. All this does is ensure that whenever we release a new episode that you are in the loop, you get notified. The second thing that I want you to do, and this is a personal thing for me, I'd love it if you'd leave a five-star review with just your feedback on the show, what you've learned, any takeaways, anything like that. Uh, That kind of stuff gets me excited and lets me know that this is helpful for you guys and that you're learning, you're applying this stuff, and you're seeing results for yourself. All right, so now it is time for this week's win of the week. So early on, Jasmine and her husband started out on the journey really fast, right? But they were comparing their journey to other people, and they weren't really enjoying the life that they have. And ultimately, they got burnt out. Now, they did end up getting it together, as you just heard, but they did this by figuring out what worked for them, like budgeting by pay cycle instead of monthly, being flexible with their budget, and also adding some fun to their budget. Now, since they figured out a strategy that works for them, they've paid off their consumer debt, they've cash flowed their IVF, they've dealt with infant loss, they built an emergency fund, saving for a home, investing for retirement, saving for their kids' college fund, just all these great, incredible things. And to think just four months into the journey, they had given up because they were comparing themselves to other people and hadn't really figured out a system that works for them. So that just goes to show that there is no one best way to budget. There is no right way to experience your debt-free journey. The only method that matters is the one that that you're going to stick with. So if you're struggling right now and maybe you feel like giving up, just know that it's better to switch things up, take a break or slow things down and hit your goal later than it is to not see this thing through. Because I can tell you as someone sitting on the other side of right now, you want to see this through and become debt free and start building wealth and all those great things. Now, if you need someone to talk to or just a place to vent and try to figure out all this financial stuff, you can always hop over to my private Facebook community which you can find at winningtowealth.com slash teammates. Again, this is just a safe space for you to talk all things money and you can find it at winningtowealth.com slash teammates. But hey, thanks for listening to another episode of the Winning to Wealth podcast. Until we talk again, keep racking up those wins one at a time. Take care. You've wrapped up another episode of the Winning to Wealth podcast. To learn more about how you can start making winning money decisions, head over to winningtowealth.com.